Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to go to the book of Matthew. We've been in a series entitled Push, Pray Until Something Happens. Pray Until Something Happens. And uh, here today in this story, we're going to look at Jesus and as he prayed. And uh, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's actually a pretty powerful prayer. We're going to look at that together today. Uh, But one of the things that uh, we've been talking about here is that we want to be a community that knows how to pray. That Canvas Church would be a church that knows how to call upon the name of the Lord, not just in times of crisis, not just in times of need, but to develop a prayer life that um, is long-lasting, that we continue to go to God every morning. But not only that, that we would be able to pray some big, bold ridiculous prayers. Are you with me this morning? I don't know about you, but I want to I have a community around me that knows how to pray some big, bold, ridiculous prayers. Like, God, fill up this theater next weekend. Amen, Amen right? Uh, you know, fill every chair. As a matter of fact, God, fill it up till it's standing room only. Amen, right? I want to pray some ridiculous prayers, some miraculous prayers. And we've seen God move in incredible ways at Canvas Church, restoring marriages that we thought were beyond the, the point of repair. But how many you know with God, all things are possible? Amen. And so we'd be a people that knows how to tap into the presence of God and pray some big prayers, pray some bold prayers, believing for for miracles. You might be sitting here today and you might be saying, well, pastor, I would love to do that. I would love to be that individual. I'd love to pray some bigger prayers, but I don't even know how to pray. I got good news for you. Today we are launching our small groups. Come on, somebody. That's why you see a lot of us walking around with these beautiful shirts right here. And in case you can't figure out what it says, it says better together. All right? And uh, if you don't know how to pray, guess what? Good news. You can sign up for a small group today. And I want to encourage all of you to take a moment to check out what small groups are available, what days are available. In that small group, we'll teach you how to pray. We'll teach you how to to call upon the name of the Lord. What, What is prayer? Prayer is simply this. If we just boil it down to the simplest sense, it's this. Prayer is us having a conversation with God. That's it. That's you and I talking with God. That's prayer. Yes, there's different types of prayer in the Bible, but at its simplest form, prayer is just you and I opening our mouth and saying, God, good morning. (laughs) How's your day? You're God. It's always good. Okay. Let me tell you about my day, right? And you just have a conversation. You talk with God. That, that is prayer. And so we've been looking at this idea of prayer. And I want to take you to Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. And we're going to read what's known as as the prayer in the garden. What has happened up until this point, Jesus has now uh, walked the earth for um, some, you know, 30, 33 years. And he's gathered some disciples that he's been training and equipping so that when he departs and goes to heaven, that they could carry on the ministry that he started. Now he's coming to the end of his his season. And uh, just before this passage, we're going to read, we see what's known as the Last Supper, where Jesus sits with his disciples and shares a meal with them and tells them about, you know, what's about to take place. They don't fully understand it or fully grasp it. And then shortly after this prayer is where a guy named Judas comes into the garden and kisses Jesus, thus giving the signal uh, to be arrested, okay? And so we fall right in the middle of that with the prayer in the garden, Matthew 26, verse 36, and it reads, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. Now, who's the them? That's his disciples. And he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Now, taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, who's that? That's uh, James and John. 
So Peter, James, and John, he took with him. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Why was he deeply distressed? Because he's aware of what's about to take place in his life. Okay? He's fully aware of the fact that he is fully God and fully man. He's fully aware of the fact that he is about ready to die an excruciating death and, and, and literally cover all the sins of humanity. And so he's deeply sorrow, sorrowful and he's in distress. Verse 38, then he said to them, my soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. What he's actually asking them, he's not just asking them to stay awake. Okay? He's not just like, hey, wait right here. I'm going to go over here. Make sure you stay awake. What he's asking of them, he's saying, hey, would you pray with me? Okay? He's, now, now check out. Here's the story. He has all of the disciples with him. He tells you know, the majority of them, hey, guys, I want you to stay right here. But then he picks three of them, and those three walk with him a little bit further, and, and now he's going into a place of prayer, deep sorrow, Okay, and it gets so intense that he realizes I've got I've got to go a little bit further, and so you guys wait here, but stay awake. What he's saying is, I want you to pray with me. Okay, I've shown I've given you a snippet into my life. Jesus is saying, you saw me sorrowful. Now would you just stay awake and would you would you pray with me? Remain here and stay awake with me. Verse thirty nine. And going a little further, he fell face down and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Well, what's he talking about? What cup is he talking about? Let this cup pass. Is he talking about a, a physical cup? No, he's speaking really of, of what's known as the cup of sorrows. But what he's really talking about is he's talking about this, this place that he's about ready to go. If, if, you can, if there's another way besides me going to the cross, if there's another way than, than besides me being nailed to that thing, could we, could we have that option? How many of you guys would pray that? Okay? I think all of us would pray that, but what we probably would not pray or do not pray is the second part of the prayer. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Amen. Right? Yeah. What is he saying there? He's saying, look, I really don't want to do this. This is going to be painful. This is going to be a lot for me to bear. I don't want to do it, but you know what? I'm surrendering myself to you and to your will. Amen? Verse 40, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he asked Peter, so couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass, unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came again and found them sleeping. In other words, not praying because they could not keep their eyes open. How many guys, I just described your prayer life. <laughs> I want to pray, I just can't keep my eyes open. Man. After leaving them, he went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the time is near. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go. See, my betrayer is near. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is amazing. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that you would teach us as a community what it is to pray, what it is to pray uh, prayers that bring about breakthrough, what it is to contend for something that's happening in our life. Uh, I pray that we'd walk out of here strengthened in that area. In Jesus' mighty name, 
Amen, amen, amen. It was 1990. I was about 16 years old, and it was a Saturday morning, and uh, around probably around 10, 10:30, and the phone rang, and I picked up the phone, and the first words out of this person's mouth was, "Are your mom and dad home?" My mom and dad weren't home. They happened to be going over uh, to a prayer meeting, actually at a church or some sort of church gathering. Um, that's a good place to have your parents. Amen going to church. It wasn't a Sunday morning, so it wasn't like I was skipping, all right? But uh, they, they were at a church thing, and I said, no, they're not home. I said, can I help you? I said, oh, I need you to listen to me. This is very important. And what I'm about to tell you is going to be very difficult for you, but I need you to get a hold of your parents. Uh, your brother, Mark, has just been in a severe accident, and I've shared this story before. Some of you have heard it, but uh, your brother, Mark, has been in a severe accident. He was on the way. My brother's a police officer, and he was on the way to a scene of an accident, and on the way to the scene of an accident, he got T-boned by a, a car that didn't pull off as the sirens and the lights were going. And as he got T-boned, it would squish his like 43-inch seating area down to 11 inches. He would hit his head on the side of the car. They said it's very severe um, they've given them about a 16% chance to live. And so you need to get a hold of your parents. They're airlifting him to Harborview Hospital in Seattle. And at 16 years old, I got that phone call. Little did I know that that phone call would be the beginning of a miracle. It was the beginning of a miracle because I quickly hung up and I didn't, I didn't have time to freak out. All I, I knew I had to get a hold of my parents. And so this was before the days of cellular phones. Come on, somebody. Listen to that word I use. What's a cellular phone? A cellophone. No, uh, uh, a hand device. What do you call them? Uh, iPhone. iPhone. There you go. An iPhone. Sorry, Android users get saved. And so um, <laughs> it was before those days, right? And so, I mean, I, I just called every number and finally got a hold of my mom and dad. And they, they jammed from where they were at over to Harborview. And somehow, I don't even know, me and my brother, we made our way over there as well. And but one thing we did, the only thing I knew how to do was to call them. And my mom said these words. And she happened to be at a church service. And so she told them, hey, guys, this is what's happening. We need you to pray. And my mom told me over the phone, she goes, Ben, you need to start calling everybody you know, and you need to have them pray. And so I started calling everybody I knew, even if they weren't a Christian. I was like, you need to pray. <laughs> you need to pray. And literally within hours, we would find out later that literally we sparked a prayer chain almost around the world. This person knew this person, knew that person, was calling somebody in Japan, was calling somebody in China, was calling somebody in Holland, was calling somebody, in, and there were people praying all over. We got to the hospital, met with the doctors. The doctors said, it doesn't look good. It, it looks like he's going to have permanent brain damage. He's going to live. We induced a coma. He's going to live, but he's got permanent brain damage and never, never work again. And so we just began to pray, and we prayed, and we prayed. Probably, probably the greatest fight as a family, one of the greatest fights. I don't know. Our family's kind of jacked up. One of the greatest <laughs> fights uh, as a family we'd ever, ever been in. And we prayed, and, and so we went back and had another meeting with the doctors. And the doctors, this would be, I mean, this is a long process, but I'm trying to shorten it for today's message. But uh, we prayed, and, and they, they came back, and they gave us a new report. Well, it looks like he's going to walk and talk again, but he'll never be able to work. And he'll have to go through some therapy and learn how to, you know, speak again and how to walk. And so what did we do? We, we took it back to the Lord in prayer, and we prayed. And, and then we'd have another meeting. We had another meeting with the doctor, and the doctor was just like, you know, we don't really know what's going on. Um, but, um, but it looks like he doesn't have to do speech therapy. It, does, it looks like he doesn't have to learn to walk again, but he'll probably never, ever go back to work again, but it looks like he's going to walk and talk fine. And so we went back and we began to pray and we would have another meeting with the doctor and the doctor said, look, we don't know what's happening, but, um, whatever you're doing, keep doing it because it's working. And, uh, and he said, it looks like he'll probably go back to work again. He'll probably have to work a desk job. Um, but it looks like he's probably gonna be able to go back. What do we do? We went and prayed. 
And we come back and have another meeting with a doctor, and the doctor is like, well, you know what? We, they actually started calling him the miracle boy in the hospital. And we prayed and we prayed, and little did we know that not only would my brother go back to work, but my brother would go back to work and become the number one police officer in the whole entire nation for DUI arrests. To the, point where, to the point where he actually travels and trains police officers how to do it. To the point where Dateline and Nightline would contact him and put him on national TV. See, what they don't know is that it started with one phone call. And that one phone call turned into a prayer for a miracle. Prayer for a miracle. See, I, I don't know, I come to realize something that, that a lot of times when you're walking into your greatest pain, your, your greatest obstacle, your greatest situation, oftentimes it's a setup for your greatest breakthrough. If you begin to turn to the one that makes all things possible. Amen? I want to share with you just a few things here that I see in the life of Jesus, and particularly in this story, because Jesus himself is literally walking into probably the greatest hour of his destiny. The very reason of why he said, hey, I'll go to, to earth. I'll leave heaven and I'll go to earth and I'll, I'll sacrifice my life for all humanity. He's about ready to walk into the greatest moment, the greatest hour of his destiny. But what we see is before he enters into the greatest moment and the greatest hour of his destiny as we see that he goes into the greatest prayer time he's ever had. He goes into the greatest prayer time. What are some things I, I see here about the life of Jesus? The first thing I would notice here in this passage is this, is that great prayer precedes great breakthrough. Great prayer precedes great breakthrough. Make no mistake about it. It might not be your prayer, but listen to me. Some of you are sitting here today, serving Jesus today, knowing Jesus today, walking a life full of grace and mercy today because someone was praying for you. Amen. You might not have been able to pray for yourself, but there's a prayer in the Bible called intercession. And someone was praying on your behalf, and because they were praying for you by name, some mom, some dad, some brother, some sister, some, some Sunday school teacher, some pastor, somebody somewhere was praying for you, and thank God they did. Amen. Ain't that right, Bert? Prayed for that guy. Come on, he's one of the greatest servants in the church today. Loving on young people. Love it on all people. Why? Because someone prayed. Someone prayed. Great breakthrough, I believe, is preceded by great prayer. Jesus was praying. He was crying out. He, he, was, he was crying out so much that Luke 22, the, uh, the, you know, the writer of Luke, Luke himself, as he writes it, he actually writes the descriptor of, of he was sweating great drops of blood. That's some intense prayer right there. Are you with me? This is how intense his prayer time was. He, was. he was sweating great drops of blood. He was in this thing. He was seeking. He was saying, I really don't want to do it. But you know what? If it's the only way, not my will, your will be done. But let me tell you something. The reason it was a great prayer wasn't because he was sweating dr great drops of blood. See, I said that and some of you are like, oh, man, I'm not praying great unless blood's coming out of my pores. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. All right? You know, don't, don't take this literal. All right? The reason it was such an intense and great prayer time is because he prayed toward the promise rather than the problem. He prayed towards the promise rather than the problem. Look at what he does. He recognizes the problem. The problem is, is I'm about to die. That's a problem if you're the one about to die. And he sees it. 
And he's like, look, I really don't want to die. I don't, want to, I don't want to do this thing. That's the problem. But he quickly switches back to the promise. And he says, look, but not my will, your will be done. Because God, I know you have a plan in all of this. I know you have a purpose in all of this. I know you have this thing worked out even though my eyes don't see it. And that's why Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. What was the joy? Was the promise on the other side? What was the promise on the other side? You and I in his kingdom. Amen? It was you. You're, you're the joy that was set before him. Amen? And so we, we see it was a great prayer because he quickly switches. And man, it wasn't about me praying towards the problem. It was me praying towards the promise. And see, some of us, the only time we pray is when we have a problem. And so we teach ourselves and train ourselves to pray always towards the problem. You with me this morning? What we need to do is we need to learn to pray towards the promise so that when a problem arises, number one, it doesn't look that big. Number two, we're not fixated on it. And number three, we pray towards the promise. Amen? Because see, Jesus, this, this isn't the only time we see him praying. No, no, Jesus himself, the Bible says that in Luke 5, 16, that he would often withdraw himself to deserted places to pray. That, that means by himself, solo. What are you doing? I'm just going to go pray. And so because he had developed this prayer, when he comes into this moment, praying towards the promise is automatic. I believe, listen, you and I, we're going we're gonna to be in, in, in need of a great breakthrough in our life. Some of you are right now. Some of you are in that place right now. You're in, you're in need of a breakthrough in some area, right? If you're not, you will. Pastor, why are you prophesying doom over me? I'm not. I'm just being honest with you. I'm just being real with you. You're going to one day, okay? But listen to me. Just like this, I guarantee you that what looks like your greatest moment of praying and your greatest obstacle will turn into your greatest breakthrough if you pray towards the promise rather than the problem. Amen? Amen. I believe a great prayer precedes great breakthrough. I remember that uh, my wife and I, when we uh, started Urban Church in, uh, gosh, what year was that? I remember, 2009. There it is, getting old. We had started our urban church in downtown San Diego in a nightclub on a Sunday night. We thought we were going to revolutionize church planning. We're going to do it at night. We're going to do it in a nightclub. We're going to do it in the heart of the city with no parking. <laughs> and we were about, we were, I don't know, we were a couple months, three months into this thing, and, and uh, it became very, very apparent that we weren't going to have enough funds coming in to continue to pay for the nightclub, although they gave us a great deal. And we didn't know where to go. We had already started church, and uh, we were moving. People were coming. Man, it was great. Uh, but we realized we weren't going to be able to continue to pay for this. And so we went away on spring break with our kids. Now, our kids thought we were going away on a camping trip. What we were actually going, we were going away to call out to God and say, God, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> so we went on this camping trip, and we put our kids down to bed in the tent, and we would just slip outside the tent. We just called out to God, God, we don't know. We don't know what to do. We don't know where we're going. We don't know how we're going to keep this thing going. There's only three months in. We're about ready to shut the church down already. Come on, somebody. Literally the next morning, I got a phone call from a pastor about six blocks away from the nightclub who was meeting in a school. He said, hey, Ben, um, I want you to know that my church is moving out of the school, and I thought maybe you might want it. And I said, how much is it? And he told me it was like a third of the price of the nightclub. And I'm like, done deal. Come on, somebody, right? We needed a breakthrough. 
What did we do? We prayed. And we, I mean, we prayed. It was like, like, like snot coming out of your nose prayers. Anybody prayed those before? Well, not mine, my wife's. My wife was just like, you know, I was just like, babe, Kleenex, come on. I believe great prayer precedes great breakthrough. I, I believe we see it right here in the life of Jesus. The second thing I see is this, is that great breakthrough involves others praying with you. Great breakthrough involves others praying with you. Took along, took along all of his disciples and placed them there, but then he selected three of them to come with him. And he spent some time with them there, and he was in prayer there to the point of his, his soul being distressed and sorrowful. He allowed them in so they could see the emotion and the pain and what he was dealing with so that they could pray with him. Thus, he came back several times to check. Hey, are you praying with me? Why are you sleeping? I don't know if you want those people praying with you, but... But the key is this, is Jesus shows us, look, when you're about ready to go into a moment like this and you need a great breakthrough in your life, man, bring some people along with you. Now, this is important. You got, you got to hear this, okay? Bring some people along with you. Get them praying with you, okay? Don't be afraid to open up a little bit and expose a little bit of yourself and say, here's what I'm walking through. I mean, if you can't do that at church, come on, come on. I mean, there's really two perceptions of church. Church is either like the, the cruise ship, right? The love boat, right? Only three people got that because they're like, what is that? It's a really old show that my brothers watched, all right? right? And people have the, 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 the church is like a cruise ship, man, like, you know, food and karaoke. Come on, Ashley, where are you at? There you are, karaoke, what, you know? Like it's just, you know, lounging at the pool and this is great and you walk in and everything's got to be perfect. The sound's got to be perfect. The images on the screen got to be perfect. And, and all of a sudden you realize, wait, that's Ben's idea. That's not our idea. Come on, somebody, right? <laughs> but you know what? That's not church. You know what ch church is? Church is like an ER, man, yeah. right? Yeah. Church is like, like a triage center. Like people are coming in as jacked up as I am. Right? Got issues. Got, does anybody in here have an issue? Can you just be honest with me? Okay? Everybody else that's not raising their hand, is, their issue is lying. Um, <laughs> right? We, we had issues, man. Right? And this is the place where we ought to be able to open up and say, this is what's going on in my life. I don't understand it when people try to hide. And then you try to reach out to people, and they, like, they get mad at you. Like, who told you? Uh, I, we were just praying for you. No, no, I want, and they get, they get all bent out of shape. You even know what I'm talking about? Like, why do they get so mad? Like, I just, I just want to help you. I don't need your help. But you're getting a divorce, so I don't need your help. But you got some emotion. I don't need your help. Listen, let me just put it in these terms. If you had cancer and the doctor diagnosed you and said, hey, here's the treatment, are you going to be like, I don't need your help? Well, I don't know what. Don't tell anybody. I'm out of here. No, you're like, doc, please help. Right? Why do we do it when it comes to other stuff in our life? Where, where prayer can bring a miracle, where prayer can bring breakthrough, where prayer can bring healing. Hey, man. Hey, if you want to keep spending hundreds of dollars on marriage counseling, you might need it. Go ahead. But why don't you try this? Why don't you try praying together? Oh, it's starting to get quiet. Amen. Prayer works. Prayer works. Open up a little bit. Now, now here's the important part. Don't open up to everybody. 
Don't open up to everybody. I'm, I'm about ready to shatter somebody's little bubble right now. Notice what Jesus did. He didn't take all of them with him. He selected three of them. Now, what you need to understand that these three had lived some life with Jesus, okay? When you ask somebody to pray with you, ask some people that have done some life with you, that have been through some stuff with you. Matthew chapter 17, just if you rewind in the book of Matthew that we read out of today, in Matthew chapter 17, what you see is that these same three people that he chose to come with him here are the same three people in Matthew chapter 17 that went up what's known as the Mount of Transfiguration. The same exact three were up there and they saw Jesus get transformed. I don't know what he got transformed into. Okay? The Bible just says like he turned like into bright light. Right? Like just really white, bleached, intense. And they saw this whole thing and they're there. They're a part of this moment. They had some bonding times. They had been through some stuff together. And so Jesus chooses those ones. Hey guys, come with me. We're gonna go over here and pray. Don't just take everybody. Okay, here's why. Because not everybody cares. Pastor. No, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. E even in our size of church, the reality is, some people don't give a rip about what you're going through. I know some of you are angry now. Like, that's just the reality of it. I'll even take it a little bit further. Some people, this is, they don't care, but some people are like, pfft. I wonder what they did to deserve that. I don't want those people praying for me. That's like, if you go back to the Old Testament, look at Job, that's like Job's friends. What did you do? I didn't do nothing. Right? Here's the reality, is that you could look at, there's, there's, there's people in this room right now, they're just like, eh, eh, sorry. I had to come to terms with this. I'll be honest with you. Because I'm a people person. I love people. Yes, my wife. I love having people over to our house. I mean, if it was up to me, I'd give you all the code to my door and you could just come and hang out anytime. <laughs> my wife's like, not unless they get background checks, you know? <laughs> right? But I would. Like, I just love being around people. Come, jump in the pool. Let's hang out. Yay. You know? But I realized something, that not, not everybody in my church likes me. I'm just being honest. I learned this lesson. It's probably one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned. There are people in our church that love our worship and love Tom and Kim. Ooh, worship people. Because <laughs> they get to get up here and do the fun stuff. You know, the lights are moving, the fog machine. I'm just like, I'm, I'm serious. Sometimes I'm bitter worshiping up front. I'm like, gosh, rock stars. I just, want, I just want a grand entrance one time, you know, like music's thumping, the fog machine, and lights, and I come on, I'm like, turn in your Bible too, right? Oh, no, it's the worship people, they get that, right? I realized something, that not everybody in my church likes me. They like the worship, they like the children's ministry, they like, they like our team, but they're like, ah, Pastor Benny can preach. But I'm just being honest. You know what? I, I, I'm okay with it now. I didn't used to be. But I'm okay with it, right? Whatever's bringing you to church, man, keep coming. Why? Because I just want to see more people in our city, one, for Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man. Right. Hey, man. I listened to a great, a great teaching one time uh, by a guy named T.D. Jakes. Now, I probably just offended somebody, but oh, well. <laughs> but I remember I'm, I'm watching this teaching, and he talked about how, you know, there are people that are for you, and there are people that are with you. Yeah. Right? 
The people that are for you are for you because, you know, there's something that they like about your church or something that you like, you know, whatever it is. Like, man, the children's ministry is great. I love that, so I'm going to be a part of this church. And that's okay. But listen to me. You know what you need when you go into these moments where you're going to need a breakthrough? You need some people that are with you. Some people that are with you, not because of what you're doing, not because of the church you created or the ministry you're a part of. Or It doesn't matter. You could end up in prison. Well... And those people will be with you. I want those people. Right? Now, don't go to prison, okay? But I want those people, man, that are with me. I'm so thankful for Pastor Brandon and Melissa Miller. Man, you talk about some people. We've been through some stuff. If we sat down and told you the stuff we've been through, you'd be like, no. Oh, yeah. Most of it's them, but not us. But, I mean, we've been... (laughs) We've been through some stuff, man. (laughs) My wife's getting upset with me. We've been through some stuff, but let me tell you, you know who I call when I need a breakthrough? That couple right there. Because we've been through some. I know they're going to pray for me. I know they're with me. You know what I love? We we just recently created, and it's just a fancy word, the executive leadership team. That sound awesome. And you get a chance to meet all of them if you come out to the worship night. And we're going to be praying over them. We're going to be uh, introducing them to the church, saying, man, this is how the church is going to continue to move forward. And look, look at this incredible team God's given us. Man, just a powerful team. And, man, I love this team because we've been through some stuff. And you know what? I can call them, and they're going to pray. They can call me, and we're going to pray. You know what? If you don't feel like you have that, join a small group. Join a small group. Because here's the thing, is maybe not everybody in here cares, but you get a part of that small group, I'm telling you, man, that's communities, they just build, and man, they're tight, they'll pray for you, they'll believe with you. Are you with me? And get some people around you. Man, if you want to experience great breakthrough, it involves others praying with you. Amen? Lastly, great breakthrough may require you to go a little further in prayer. Great breakthrough may require you to go a little further in prayer. Jesus, he takes the 12, says, you guys wait here. He picks three of them, three that he had done some life with, three that have been through some stuff with them. He invites them a little further. They pray together. He, he exposes himself a little bit. They see him in great sorrow and great pain. And there they begin to, to pray And then he realizes something. Listen, this this hour is so great. What I'm about to go through is so great. I need a great breakthrough that the Bible says, and he left them there, and he went a little bit further. And he began to pray. And he began to pray. Listen to me. It doesn't matter where you are in your faith right now. It doesn't matter if you begin the journey today. It doesn't matter if you you began the journey last week. It doesn't matter if you started the journey a year ago. Wherever you are in your faith walk, listen to me, you are the greatest prayer warrior that you will ever have. You are. You're the greatest prayer warrior you'll ever have. You're greater than you, pastor? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because even when people come and share things with me, they only share about 10%. Pastor, this is what's going on. My wife is being really mean. Will you pray? <laughs> Pastor, this is what's going on at work. My boss is. <laughs> they share a little bit. But you really know what's going on. You really know the depth of it. You are the greatest prayer warrior that you have. 
Listen to me. This is so crucial because some of you, you're not even on your own side. Some of you want a breakthrough, and so you come to church and you put it on the church. I need a breakthrough. You put it on the pastor, you put it on the small group leaders. And if I don't get my breakthrough, but you're not even on your own side because you're not even praying. You're not even contending. You're not even fighting. You're tapping out, tapping somebody else in. Right? WWF, right? Wait, WWE? What is it? <laughs> WW something? UFC? No, you can't tap somebody in. Right? You want somebody else in the ring doing your battle. Listen, listen, hear my heart. I'm all for intercession. I know there are people that cannot contend for themselves. And so we intercede and we pray for them and we pray on their behalf. But listen to me. If you are a Christian today, you're a Christ follower, you need to get yourself in the battle and get yourself in the fight and start to pray and start to believe for your breakthrough. Amen? Amen. You are the greatest prayer warrior. Jesus went a little bit further and he began to pray. Get some people on your side. Know that prayer precedes breakthrough. But listen to me, you've got to get yourself in the battle and you've got to go a little bit further. Now, when I meet with people and I do pastoral counseling and they come to me and those of you that have come to me, you know this to be true. I'll ask this question. Have you prayed about it? Well, no, I, I, I can't get them to pray, you know, whatever. It's like, no, no, you, have you prayed about it? Have you? Well, uh, no. So my next question is, is, are you willing to pray about it? Now, this is, this is someone that's a believer. Listen to me, because I'll, I'll be honest with you. Look, I am not going to stay awake at night praying for you unless you're willing to get in the fight and pray for yourself. I've done it before. It's tiring. I'm not talking about intercession, but if you're a Christian, you're a Christ follower, and you need a great breakthrough in your life, I believe it's time that you step out and you begin to go a little bit further because you are the greatest prayer warrior that you have. Amen? Jesus, he brings all of them over to the place, but he says, wait a second, Um, what I'm about to walk into, man, this is intense, this is deep. Who are some people that I've done some life with? And he picks three of them and they go and they pray. And he exposes himself just to those three so that they can begin to pray with him. And then he himself goes a little bit further and he prays towards the promise, not the problem. And because of that, we experience the greatest breakthrough all humanity has ever experienced. And that is the forgiveness of our sins that we could walk in grace, walk in forgiveness and fulfill the plan of God on our life. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.